Welcome to Innovating EdTech, the show where we dive in and hear from education experts about what's happening on the ground and what the future holds. Today I'm your host, Benjamin from user.com. Join me as I hear from Nadia Garfunkel, share about her life and working with a startup with a fresh take on ed tech, gaming, and social impact to help close the gender gap in tech and make Python easier. Hi, Nadia. Feel free to introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Nadia. I'm 27. I work with Imagi, previously known as Imagi Labs. Based on my voice, you can probably hear that I'm from the U.S., born and raised in New Jersey, but I lived in New York City for a couple of years. And then after university in Montreal, I ended up back in New York for my master's program and then ended up in Sweden. So now I'm living and working in Stockholm and I'm having a great time. I want to dive into that a little bit. You've been like in the ed tech industry for a while. Could you share like some of the highlights, maybe something you're yeah. proud of over the last few years? Absolutely. I will say formally I've been in the industry for two years, but because I'm in a startup, it probably feels like double the amount in terms of the quantity of knowledge that I've gained. And prior to ed tech, I was working in public education and in nonprofits. So that's sort of the view I come into this industry with, not at all from the tech side. I've learned that there are ginormous companies in the world that are creating ed tech related products who own many other smaller companies who serve all types of students all over the world. And I think they are sort of solutions that I use in the classroom, both as an educator and as a student. And I had previously not thought of where they came from or who designed them. And now that I am at a startup, I'm very close to the product design side. And it is fascinating to think about creating tools that get in the hands of children and what that really means for the future of society. So I've had a lot of big questions and learnings that I can break down a little bit if we speak about Imagi in particular. Yeah, you know, you're talking with this next generation as well a lot. So maybe you can share like, is there some tips, mentors, some ideas you could share? I think the biggest tip is just reaching out to folks in an industry or field that you are interested in, asking for lunch, asking for coffee, picking their brain, whether it's about a specific job or just learning more, I think, just go straight to the source. This is something that Dora Imagi CEO has also instilled in me in my actual current day role. I have several mentors that support me and my sales work, marketing development, and just asking for advice from people who are a little bit further along than you, wherever you are. I mean, going to the source is really cool because you're diving in, getting hands on. My mentors over the years have been really formative for me. Even spending time, you know, you have two great co-founders that you are probably collaborating a lot with. And that's really been something impactful for me is having my two co-founders really like, here, try this, throw this idea. Exactly. Yeah. And don't you find that mentors are easier to get than one might think? People are open to saying yes, if you're asking them for help, if it's just sharing their expertise. And I think as a young, very young person in university, people might be wary of doing this, but you're not interrupting somebody's work day. It's giving their brain a nice break, or it gives them a chance to have different perspective on their own work. 
Yeah, I've been a teacher in the past, and I think this teacher perspective, when you're educating or helping someone else, you're expanding and growing. This is, like solidifies what you are doing. But could you share about like life abroad, like being an expat? How is life for you? Do you miss New York? <laughs> oh yes, I miss New York. I miss food diversity. I miss the rush, the craziness. New York is kind of like a drug in that it is unhealthy. I think it's not the most sustainable place to live for one's own mental well-being. But I miss it very much. But I am multicultural, so I grew up in a household with two languages spoken: English and Chinese. And I think, fortunately, because I was given travel opportunities as a young child, I'm quite comfortable abroad. And then for university, I went from the U.S. to Canada, which is like a baby step. Although I went to Montreal, which does feel very foreign compared to the rest of North America because of the French. So that was my sort of soft living abroad. And then moving to Sweden was quite easy. I mean, everyone is perfect at English. Stockholm is a very well organized city. There was not too many logistical issues. I was very lucky with some paperwork. Because all the bureaucratic stuff was fine for me, and I know I'm lucky in that way. Well, I'm young. I'm an English first language speaker with a master's degree. Sweden has been a breeze for me, and I know that is not necessarily the case for some of my other friends. But I've taken these advantages as I can, and got a great job within just sort of two months of living here. And I'm trying to live that up to the fullest and do the most I can. I have no idea how long I'll stay, but. It's fun. Stockholm, despite only being a million people, has plenty going on. Very cool. Are you able to travel and see some other cities in the EU? Yes, and that was kind of my whole goal. I think when I was fifteen, I had already sort of mentally told myself at some point I would live in Europe. So this is part of my whole grand plan. Apparently, I was in Amsterdam recently. I'm going to Copenhagen this week, and I would say. That Stockholm is the least accessible major European city. Of course, I knew where it was on a map, but I didn't really think the two or three hour flights to mainland would bother me so much. But yeah, we're a bit further. You know, it's not Paris. We're not just a train ride away from absolutely everything. But very happy to be here. So let's dive in. Tell me about Imagi and what you're working on. Yeah. So Imagi is a startup that builds. Coding education tools. So we are teaching kids how to code in Python, and our pedagogy centers around play and creativity. So the final end goal is to create pixel art, which is very different from other coding education tools, which might be in the context of achieving a level in a game or doing a very specific task or competing. As you can picture, with many famous robotics competitions that rely on kids coding, the goal is to race or to fight or something like that. So for us, it is about generating art that represents one's own interests. So we were founded four years ago by two lovely ladies, Dora and Beatrice, and the team right now is sort of six or seven people full time, and we have some incredible interns as well. We are based in Stockholm, but sort of spread out globally. And my role is in sales and marketing. So my title is partnerships manager, which is basically B two B work. I am promoting our tools to educators, whether that be classroom teachers, heads of schools, also nonprofit educators, and we have a bunch of corporate partners. A lot of lovely folks at large companies, tech companies, banks. They want to use our tools to inspire their local communities. So in the context of CSR work, 
or also like employee engagement. But we have software and hardware that makes Python really fun for kids and it is designed all with a gender lens. So all the product design and testing and some of our major partners are sort of girl-centered organizations. We've tested with hundreds of girls in Stockholm. This was before my time, but I arrived when the products were fully fledged and on the market. And we continue to interact with preteen and teen girls to ensure that they and their voices and their interests are just fused into all aspects of our product iteration. Now it's really about lesson plans and working on our curriculum because we're not really changing the hardware so much. And it's just a mission that I can really get behind because they're the most underrepresented in tech globally, in some places more than others. But yeah, we're trying to make it so that girls feel included in a field where they're increasingly excluded for various reasons. I'm really interested in like bringing opportunities for girls. And I have this device and I think it's a great mm-hmm. product. My daughter has gone to bed the last <laughs> four or five nights. Daddy, can I take it to bed with me? Can I play with it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she's, it's a cool product and I didn't think she would be as into it as she is, but it's fun. She doesn't really get the whole concept of Python yet. She's only five, but it's simple yeah. enough that she can just click the lights. So it's really cool what you're doing and I'm really excited for the potential. Tell me about this Edu Imagine Labs, like this curriculum, this teaching mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah, of course. So just like you said, we hope to lower the barrier to access for young girls and really just spark interest. So that is why the hardware is so colorful, these addictive eight by eight RGB LEDs that can be customized. And it's a gadget that is smooth, aesthetically pleasing. So one does want to bring it to bed, sure. That's a funny situation. I don't think I've heard that one frequently, though. I'm sure it happens. We do have kids coding very late at night. And I would say our educational products are this new web platform, as you mentioned, Imagine Edu. So this is a teacher platform. And this was developed just earlier in 2022 because we got so much feedback that our consumer mobile app was fun and great, but not necessarily safe for student classrooms and the kind of teacher use. So we created this with a team, our CTO and lead developer really hashed this out and made it perfect for teachers and educators to have private classrooms. Of course, this web platform, it's also a tablet app. It has code editor, it has the capacity to add various groups of students. They can view each other's code projects as well. And then built in is also access to our lessons. So we have our own Imagi Python curriculum that is all based around our eight by eight matrix. And I would say it's really fun. In our first lesson right away, actually, we teach RGBs and I think how to write some pretty good variables to be really efficient. And then later we get into, you know, everything, for loops, animations, functions. We have a scale up that kind of looks like maybe basic university level computer science textbook, although slightly out of order. And then instead, everything is really colorful and based on emojis and flags and characters and animals because this is what is understandable to young kids. I would definitely use this if I was teaching this target age, for sure. It's like you can go from starting at six is minimum, probably, I would say, but it's advanced as well. So you can, for kids that are excelling or want to do more, I'm sure there's like this possibility. Thank you. Yeah. 
Speaking of age, I should mention that our sort of core target group these days is 8 to 13 plus. You're right that six and seven-year-olds can do it. They might need parental guidance or they might not be strong typers. So that just sort of slows them down and some directions and technical terminology might be a little bit tricky for them, but do they really need to understand this term or is it just important that they understand the pattern and logic of the code? Cool. Is this something that you've experimented a lot with? Imagine girls, girls teaching other girls. So we've had plenty of partners that have done this. And by chance, we have a workshop organized with Amazon Marketplace. And we are having some of our teen Imagine girls who are our like immediate community. They are now in high school and they will be coming to teach 11 to 13 year old girls a crash course. However, this is not our business. We are not typically the educators directly. We've done a lot of workshops for sort of marketing purposes and to help people out, but we are the product vendors and product creators. So we are happy to see when our partners, for example, there is a private school in the Northeast of the US where some high school seniors in a computer science class quickly caught themselves up on a Magic Python and then went to their local elementary school and did community service and taught some kids coding. So we've seen that before. We have interest again this year from a different private school to do that sort of thing. And we would love to continuing to encourage this. Yeah, that's the dream scenario is that it's sort of peer to peer. And also that it's like virally growing, right? You have this product video. There's a little tiny scene with the dad programming after the kid goes to bed. This seems like you're hitting this exact, okay, this is me, so I recognize that. Maybe you can talk about like target audience or like personas. Is this something you're trying to target? Previously and initially, the company was very B2C, so selling primarily to parents because for kids, our Imagine Charm is not quite a toy that is something they can casually buy because of its price point. So definitely selling to parents because this is an educational tool. That dad in our commercial is actually a Hungarian shark from Shark Tank, and our CEO met him while pitching, and he is now our advisor, and so he's quite close to the team, and that is why he got in that commercial. He is also a dad of daughters, so it was easy, I believe, to get him to sign into that. But back to target audience. So now we are primarily focusing on educational partners, so B2B work and not B2C, because we believe we can reach our mission in a more impactful way when we partner with schools, classrooms, camps that serve dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of kids at once. Then we will reach more girls who are perhaps less likely to get into coding and tech because they have to take these courses in school. And then we hope that once exposed to our tools, they'll say, huh, this isn't so bad. This isn't so daunting. It's not just for boys. All of my interests are represented in it. And so that would really help us reach a million girls faster. I think that was our sort of 2025 goal. A million girls. Share about like some of these growth loops or growth models that you've set up or you're finding success with, as you've mentioned a few already. Is there other stuff that you're focusing on? In terms of our business model, right now we sell the hardware, of course, and you can buy one on our website or you can buy them in bulk. You can also buy them directly from our team. We do have some internal educator discounts. And then separate from that, we have a freemium model for our Imagi Edu Pro. So this is access to all of the lessons in our web platform. And we are pricing it per educator which to our understanding is much kinder than pricing it per student. That is what we're doing at our stage. This might change in a year, but we're very happy to reach 
teachers and educators who they might run the entire makerspace at their school and serve hundreds of students, or they might just lead a small coding camp and work with a dozen very closely in depth. But we are ensuring that they have full access and support, not only to our lessons, but also to our team. We can supply teacher training. Our co-founders have done plenty of that. And we just want to make it so that educators find everything accessible because ultimately they have to feel competent and confident to instill any coding knowledge onto the kids. Of course, a lot of this kids can do alone, but it does take a nice hyped and motivated adult to maybe get some of the the ones who are more disinterested going. I've been speaking to a lot of people in ed tech over the last few months and hearing them share about their priorities right now is always interesting. I wonder, could you tell me about what 2023 looks like for you? Will you be growing your team to solve for some things in the future? I'm so excited to say that we are hiring someone to help with the sort of sales funnel on both ends. I am pretty much the only one on the team full time working on sales and marketing other than our CEO. She does some design, of course, because her background is in engineering. So what we've seen is that a mixture of cold outreach and warm outreach works. We've tried pretty much experiment with every type of sales and marketing tactic that a small ed tech company could from ads, in-person boothing at events. And we definitely need help to widen the top of the sales funnel, just create more leads because we are so confident that our tools are relevant in different settings. We are iterating them, we're getting feedback. It's very positive and where it's not, we are really trying to improve very specific aspects of our platform to ensure that teachers are thrilled to use these tools repeatedly. The other thing that we need help with and is a priority for 2023 is by the spring, we will have hundreds of educators on our platform using our lessons, educating students with our tools who are new. We already have had many partners before, but especially as it pertains to Imagine Edu, we will need help with customer success. So this new hire, she comes from another large ed tech company in the literacy and reading space, but she worked on customer success there. So it means answering teacher queries, making sure that they just feel confident. Okay, as a dad of two girls, as I mentioned, what can I do in like helping pave the way for women and for girls to close this gender equality gap in tech and also in IT and the future? Yeah, I mean, you're already doing the first most important thing, which is talking about these things out loud, which is verbalizing to other members of the public, whoever they might be, that you care about these things, because that shows that clearly in your own household, you probably embody this and are encouraging of your daughters to try new things in tech, whether or not tech is your area of expertise. So that's one thing. It's like parents need not be afraid to put their kids in something challenging that is out of their own domain. And like, for example, I think maybe a parent might find it easy to get their kid to play an instrument that they don't know, the parent doesn't know, but then why not just get them coding in some apps? I think because engineering has its own stigmas and fears around it, that's one barrier, sort of at the adult parent level. And I think what you can do, you know, beyond verbal encouragement is also making sure that the environments that your daughters are in are safe for them, but continue to challenge them. Sometimes we hear schools want to do only all girls coding clubs. That's great. That's a nice safe space. But 
It need not be that way. It could be an Imagi coding club for everyone. And then because our products are designed with a gender lens, girls will want to show up. And we want to also show them that boys like this stuff too, because boys can also like art and color and creativity and design. So there's the flip side. Yeah, as far as like actionable things that you can do, it's just like creating a space where failure is completely fine and that will just grow confidence in trying new things. And as young girls turn into teenage girls, they are less and less confident to try new things because they want to fit into stereotypes that society has defined for them. So just do it as early as possible. It's like 12, 13 is the age where things start to change dramatically for girls. Obviously, boys are about a year behind. So catch them before then, inspire them before then, and create spaces when they're 10 and 11 years old to make them feel like they could do anything. I think this percentage even of like more boys are probably going to be gravitating towards these things. But if we can get girls like give them the upper edge to give a chance to like, okay, this, this is for me more then it seems like this over edge and giving the overcompensation for it. One common thing in the girls in tech, women in tech world that discusses role models, but sometimes like it's tough to go out of the way to find female role models. Just parental encouragement can be just as impactful as a stranger who might be inspiring on TV or something like that. Also, like, I don't know because I'm not a parent, but maybe you're worried about like social media consumption, meaningful screen time, was TikTok safe and things like that. If you're raising your kids right, you can trust them and let them go down the rabbit hole and let them explore these things and just monitor them. But I don't think limiting screen time necessarily helps. Just make sure that screen time is productive in some way. They're like learning new facts or creating things, perhaps coding in the free Imagi app. It is social. They are maybe chatting with their friends, but they're also chatting with their friends about code projects that they're creating from their own imagination. Nadia, it was a pleasure speaking to you about Imagi and the edu projects your team is working on right now. Uh, I really hope that we have uh, a chance to collaborate together in the future. For the listeners, I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts about guests or questions we should focus on in the future. Please reach out. My email is growth at user.com.